back with another episode of Dog Football Weekly. Here are your hosts, Reed Black and Russ Hiley. Episode 34 today, Russ. Just recording, starting really right after the Georgia-South Carolina game today. Russ, I know you're in the Dove field a little bit today, but from what you saw, tell me your kind of initial thoughts, initial reactions and feelings. Well, you know, today was definitely kind of a scary a scary game for Georgia, um, especially in the first half, you know, going into halftime 14-3, down 14-3, to a team that just shouldn't be anywhere near as good as you are. Um, you know, it's, it's it was kind of a wake-up call, I think, for, for Georgia, and especially because we haven't played any competition so far that has been, you know, tough and actually having to elevate our game to, to beat them. Um, so, you know, South Carolina's a tough SEC opponent, and uh, the Dogs, they take they took care of business in the second half. I mean, in my opinion, at least coming out of the, at, a, at a halftime, scoring two touchdowns, you know, that was, that was big for the momentum. You know, trailing at halftime, Georgia trailed last year against Missouri at the half. Georgia trailed against Ohio State at the half. Trailing at halftime isn't something that kind of just made me go, wow. It was trailing by double-digit points. Georgia hasn't trailed a game by double-digit points at Sanford Stadium since 2015. Since the That was before Kirby Smart. Yeah. Uh, so Kirby Smart has never coached a game at Sanford Stadium where he was down double digits at halftime. And that's something that kind of shocked me. I wasn't ever really <coughs> worried about the game per se. Um, I talked to my grandfather at halftime about it, and I was just kind of like, listen – the play calling in the first half was really conservative, and the score should have been even. I mean, Georgia had two drives in the red zone. They made a field goal, missed a field goal, and it was just kind of like, listen, they're going to have to, you know, just convert in the red zone. That's something that I said was one of the biggest differences between Todd Monk and, and Mike Bobo is that Todd Monk and you go in the red zone, Russ, and you were automatic. I mean, you – Mm-hmm. And it wasn't always touchdowns, but I mean, you were like an 80, 85% touchdown offense, and then there's a field goal here and there. And when you kicked field goals, it felt like the other team was like, oh, you, you know, getting away with something, getting three points, or only giving up three on this drive to that offense. But now it's like, when you get in the red zone, you're like, you're on your toes because it's like, well, heck, you know, we can drive all over people, but when we get in the red zone, we have trouble, we have issues. So I sat there and I was just like, it's just kind of like, you know, what is it that, you know, is missing from this first half. And I just pinpointed play call, and I thought that your defense was fine. I thought South Carolina, you know, they're a lot better team than what people think. They're definitely talented. Spencer Rattlers has grown a lot as a quarterback. He was, he's always been talented. And I just kind of thought, well, you know, the only thing I could pinpoint is your offensive play calling. And, and it's something that we talked about last week before the game. And, I mean, I think our, you know – our prediction, our analysis is pretty accurate, don't you think, Russ? I think so. <clears throat> one uh, one aspect that we did better on this week, in my opinion, was uh, running the ball. Uh, you know, Dejon Edwards came back, uh, carried a big load on the team, and uh, Dylan, <laughs> Dylan Bell also Balls. scored a touchdown. <laughs> Dylan Bell also scored a touchdown, which was uh, big for the running game. And I like seeing him get in the backfield a lot because he's just – I mean, it's worked both the times we've done it. 
I mean, I thought, you know, I said it last week, our run schemes, I mean, I thought they just sucked. That's the word I used. But, I mean, you know, they're not awful. They're just kind of basic. You're not really utilizing your line as well as you could. And I said, you know, I believe we had to talk about, you know, well, Mike Bobo, when he left, he had guys like Gurley in his backfield. So, you know, he had guys that can make – he had some real playmakers, some NFL backs. And, you know, really the first two weeks of the season, you've had uh, Roderick Robinson running the ball a good bit. Kendall Milton's been hurt. And then Cash Jones, I mean, he's a walk-on. So then you get Dejon Edwards back, who I believe is the most talented back in the backfield, and he really does his, his job well. And uh, he has a massive day-to-day running the ball. And I still think, you know – there's some wrinkles that they could put in and they could even utilize this offensive line even better for them to break bigger runs. But today, I mean, they controlled the line of scrimmage the whole time on both sides of the ball. One thing that did kind of concern me is, you know, South Carolina got a lot of pressure on Carson Beck today. There were a couple big sacks, you know, and there's one more thing I'd like to get to about what really concerned me, Russ. Um, Late in the first half, they had a two-minute drive. And the play calling, I mean, really decision-making and play calling was, I don't know if you saw it, Russ, it was awful. They go, they have, I believe, like 55 seconds left, maybe a minute. You know, first snap, like a six-yard completion. Don't get out of bounds. Second second snap, uh, three-yard completion. They don't even get a first down. So now they're stuck here, and they have to use their burner last timeout, and you have 30 seconds left. So it was just like, I mean, going into the half, I mean, I was about as discouraged as I could have been with this team and really with what they had done to that point. And they still, you know, but second half, they come out a whole different team, whole different mindset, and they put together a really, really, really solid second half doing the best they could. Now, something else that kind of discouraged me was, correct me if I'm wrong, Amaris Mims is hurt. Um, So that's a big hit to this offensive line. If it's a various, if it's a serious injury, now I didn't, I didn't, obviously didn't see it because I wasn't, I didn't watch the whole game. But my dad told me about it, and he said, yeah, he's hurt, and you know, it could be something pretty serious. It's, they said left ankle, and the problem with left ankles and anything ankles, knees on your offensive line and defensive lineman is these are big guys. You know, these aren't just your. It's in the five eleven. You know, one eighty five, one ninety, two hundred. I mean, this Amarius Mims is 6'8", 330 pounds. That's a lot of weight on an ankle. So his ankle, for him to get back, for him to be 100%, for him to play his best football, he's going to have to do a lot of rehab, and his ankle's going to have to get a lot stronger. Yeah. So even if this is, at best, an ankle sprain, but, I mean, it could be just about anything, you're looking at probably three, four weeks of him out, maybe six. I mean, you've had guys – who was it? was it Donnie Mitchell last year who dealt with the ankle sprain? I mean, Donnie Mitchell, he had a sprained ankle the whole regular season last year. You saw him play in maybe three regular season games. And, I mean, it's just part of it. But, I mean, hopefully, I don't think it's anything season-ending. If that is, if it is season-ending, then that's, you know, but I doubt it. Really just, you know, a scary day. But at the end of the day, they still won by double digits, and they're still, in my opinion, the best team in the country, Russ. That's another thing I kind of want to get to. Is Georgia still your number one team right now? Um, if you can name somebody who's better, then I'll then I'll 
say maybe them, but right now I don't know who who's really better. To be honest with you, everybody's kind of in the same boat. They're all all the good teams are kind of maybe besides like Ohio State, they're all kind of uh, underperforming right now. Ohio State's say. really underperforming. I, in my opinion, I'd say Georgia's still the number one team. The only other team that I would have maybe put ahead of them in today, and I don't care really right now. I could care less about rankings, and I could care less about where they end up in the AP poll rust because, I mean, it really doesn't matter. The only ranking that really matters is that playoff ranking at the end of the year. And, you know, as long as you make the playoff, you'll be fine. But <clears throat> the only other team that I could say, like, oh, well, maybe they could get in, maybe you could put them at one, is – Florida State, and they have that really impressive win over LSU, that blowout win. And LSU, you know, people are going to forget about them, but LSU's probably going to win the SEC West this year. And they put together – I mean, they beat the brakes off Mississippi State today. And they're going to still put together a solid season. So I'd say that was my kind of like other team. But, I mean, they played a close game with Boston College. Michigan, I don't think Michigan's there. Ohio State isn't there. Texas is good. I don't think Texas is better than Georgia. I don't really think anybody's better than Georgia talent-wise. But, you know, Russ, you said it in the offseason. I said it that, you know, what Georgia's, you know, kind of – what their biggest loss was from that team last year is Todd Monken. And I fully think that's the truth this year, don't you think? I think so. And it's going to take a lot of – I mean, obviously we know it's going to take a lot of time for uh, Mike Bobo to – Get in a rhythm and know what works and what doesn't work, I guess, because he's he can't figure it out right now. Well, it's like some people, you know, they're like people like, okay, well, you know, you know, he's just breaking Carson, he's breaking Carson back in, he's doing this, and it's like if you watch the first half, they did not throw the ball deep at all. There were no deep shots, so were no there were no shots, period, and there was no there were no chunk plays, there were no big plays on offense, and I mean, you had crucial third downs, you had third downs in the red zone. And you ran screen passes. And screens are a fine thing if you cannot run the ball or you're getting pressured a crazy amount. You can run some screens. Because that's what South Carolina did in the red zone against Georgia because Georgia's Mm -hmm. pressure was so solid and so good. They ran that screen. It worked perfectly. But Georgia's offensive line can protect just fine. Yes, they gave up two sacks. But you don't need to run a wide receiver screen with one guy blocking. I mean, that's just not going to, you're not going to convert on that unless you're getting an all out blitz because there's too many guys in the box and too many guys flowing that way. So, but then you look at his second half play calling and he opens it up on the first and second drives of the half and you're now everybody's like, okay, okay. But you kind of just, I, I just kind of want some continuity. I kind of want something that's kind of like, okay, you know, you don't want to be all shots. You don't want to be all conservative. And you also want to be like, you want some creativity, but you want to be kind of smart creativity. He ran trick play, two trick plays really, and a couple reverses and stuff like that, but it really wasn't set up well. He really didn't have a whole lot of blocking set up for it. I mean, the reverses, Brock Bowers got four yards in a reverse one time that should have gotten taken a <laughs> yeah, loss of three. I mean, he got yeah. drilled in the backfield, and the dude just bounced off of him, and then he drug another kid <clears throat> for a good four yards. And it's just kind of like, I mean, the play calling just feels so elementary. It feels so just, like, basic. feels almost like we're playing, you know, high school football and we're throwing screen pass. Like, we played a team uh, last night who 
through a lot of screen passes, it felt like. And that we, I mean, we'd schemed up for it all week, and it was just screen pass after screen pass after screen pass. And that's what it feels like Mike Bobo's doing. Shout out to Russ Holly, two interceptions last night against Mountain Sales. Career game for Russ Holly. Russ, just tell me how you're feeling about that right now. You too. know, it's just something slight. You know, so, don't, something don't slight. About it. Happens every week. Happens every, all the time. Every week, two picks. What about Tift Area, Russ? What happened in tipped area? Just missed that one right through your hands. What are you talking about? Back in oh, the yeah, mm. I did. Mm. Yeah, no, that one doesn't count, though. Yeah, but anyways, I feel like you're pretty on point with that analysis. And I think it's kind of the same thing with their run schemes, too, because it's kind of like your offensive line, Russ, is the most talented line in the country, probably. If you go by stars or you go by whatever, or you go by who's going to be drafted where, you got a lot of first-round linemen on that line. And you also have, more importantly, guys that can move and guys that can get out and run and get out and run in space. Screens are fine. How about we get these linemen out in space and let them lead the way instead of your receivers? Because your receivers, yes, they're supposed to block. Yes, they can block. But who would you rather have blocking your linebackers? Would you rather have a 200-pound receiver or a 330-pound tank? I mean, just a brick wall. I'm going to go with the tank. Uh, Me too. And it's just kind of like, I look at them, and, you know, we're not pulling guys. You know, we're really just kind of washing everybody down and letting your running back pick the gap, which works with this line and works with these backs. But, I mean, you could exploit some defenses if you went that, you know, 13 personnel, three tight ends. I don't even know who our third tight end right is right now because Pierce Sperlin's hurt. Is Lawson lucky back healthy? I don't know. But if you could go three tight end look and you could really punish somebody – Bring in an extra lineman. Do what you can. But I think they really just need to mix it up running the football. I agree. It's, uh, you know. Although, I, I do like, you know, Dylan Bell in the backfield is mixing it up a little I bit. Like that. I mean, it's worked both the times we've done it. So, I, I mean, like that a lot. I like. The thing is, every, every time we put Dylan Bell in the backfield now, I mean, we know it's a run play. Because the two times we've done it, it's been a run play. So I I think they'll add some wrinkles to that definitely later in the season too. Because next thing you know, you're gonna have Dylan Bell running a wheel route out of the backfield or running some sort of route combo route in the end zone with somebody. But I do like that, and I like that he's getting some touches because there's so many talented guys in this offense that it's kind of hard to get everybody the ball when you have Brock Bowers. Arian Smith, Marcus Roseby, Jack Saint, Dominic Lovett, Dylan Bell, uh, Ra Ra Thomas, Lad McConkey. When he gets healthy, I mean, Russ, we have guys on guys on guys on guys. So it's just kind of like you got to get them. You all got to get them the ball because I mean, everybody wants to touch the football. So it's good to see him getting his touches in. He's making a big impact running the football. Maybe a bigger impact than he would catching the ball. Yeah, and um. Thing we haven't kind of talked about is the defense. Uh, I've been kind of half impressed with the defense, half not impressed. I think we're pretty solid, and uh, but a dude I'm kind of like disappointed in is is Dumas Johnson. Mm-hmm. Just haven't heard a whole lot about him while he's been playing, and you know he's just. He's not performing the way I thought he would perform this year. I thought he would be like Nakobe Dean, mm-hmm. like that guy, you know. I, you know, I kind of feel, 
I kind of feel like you do. Before the season, I told every, everybody who would listen to mm-hmm. me, I said this defense is going to be better in 21. I said it's going to be better in 21. I said this defense is going to be better. And I really thought that because this defense is so good in the secondary when it's healthy, and this defense is so good up front when it's healthy. But, you know, your linebackers, and those are, those are the two guys in the middle that I thought, you know, you really wouldn't have to worry about. You know, I think Dumas Johnson and Smail Munden are both great players, and they both played, they've both they been playing great. You know, but we're used to seeing the All-American Jamon Dumas Johnson and the All-SEC linebacker Smail Munden. So it's just kind of like, you know, I get what you're saying, Russ. You know, he missed a big tackle today in the red zone that hurt down the stretch, you know, and led to a touchdown two plays later. But, I've, I mean, I've been – Fairly impressed. I thought it looked fine. I like the pass rush a lot. Michael Williams is having a great year. Um, your interior guys have played good. You know, I just really think they really haven't, you know, found their like their select group to rush the passer. You know, their rundown guys, you know, their first down guys seem pretty set. You know, it's a lot of Nazir Stackhouse, a lot of Warren Brinson, a lot of Chaz Chambliss and Michael. But, you know, your third down group is kind of just like a rotating door, and they're, they're bringing guys in, bringing guys out. Zion Logue's in there. Sometimes you see Chaz in there. Michael's always going to be in there, as he should. But, you know, two guys that I really want to see step up, number seven, Marvin Jones, you know, as he gets more playing time, as he gets more time on the field, I'd love to see him play because he is an absolute beast. And then number 11, Jalen Walker, hope to see him play some more because he's a great football player who's got a lot of football left at the University of Georgia, and I just want to see him. I want to see some guys kind of exploit some just one-man blocks because Michael Williams, you know, as the season goes on, as the season progresses, he's going to get singled out. He's going to get the double team. So these other guys got to make these offensive lines pay, you know. Yeah, I just want to see some dudes step up and be some leaders out there. My The player of the game for me, Russ – I want to get this in too right before we go. I don't know if you have one. I got offensive and defensive. Offensive player of the game for me, Russ, Dejon Edwards coming back from injury. Hadn't played at all yet and rushing for 100 yards in his first conference game of the year. That's big, big, really boosted the team, helped the team win a lot. And my defensive player of the game has got to be Kamari Lasseter. Not really a big stats guy. He's not really on paper. He doesn't make you go, wow, you know, this guy's good. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a shutdown corner. In my opinion, he's a top three corner in college football. You know, he's better than Kool-Aid McKinstry. Don't come at me. Please don't. Alabama fans, please don't hate me for that. But he just – he is. Like, he – like, there are less targets made to his side of the field. When they are made, the ball doesn't come back. And he's just nasty. I mean, he comes up and he made some hits today. And Georgia's losing, mind you. And he's just got this, like – just this kind of just menacing, kind of like nasty. I mean, he just hits, and it's just different. It's loud. And he's, you know, him and Bullard in that second. Gosh, I love it. I love those two guys right there. But he's my defensive player of the game. I can't tell you how much, how much I love Kamar Lasseter and what he's doing this year, what he did last year, and how he's playing this year. Just been fantastic. Yeah, I don't have any players of the game. I'm not going to – because I didn't watch it. I'm not going to sit here and embarrass myself <laughs> trying to talk about it. So – Well, all right then. That's going to be it for today's episode. Thank you for listening.